for a season. And then you're going to be found wanting more. It's never enough. The eye, the flesh is never satisfied. It's never satisfied. It's always thirsty for more. That's why one beer is not enough. They give you a buzz the first time and then six packs not enough. It always, your, your flesh always needs more. But I'm glad I found something as a young man that made me never thirst again. Come on, I got a hold of something that it made me not want anything this world had to offer. Amen. It filled my cup. Praise God. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor. Everybody say savor. Wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on the candlestick, and they give it light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want to preach tonight simple message. What's that smell? Let's tell your neighbor that. What's that smell? <laughs> oh, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Pastor, would you be so kind to pray over us tonight? Lord, thank you for the man of the Lord that you have sent to us. We're asking you, God, to anoint him to proclaim your word. Anoint us to receive it. Speak to us and quicken it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. The term to smell is something that's used quite frequently in the Bible, in the scriptures. It is one of our senses and one I think we take for granted quite often. Many times if someone were to ask you if you were to have to give up one of your senses, which would it be? And as we'd go down through them, I believe we would probably put smell as one of the bottom ones. You know, I don't want to give up my sight. I don't want to give up my bit of feel things and taste things. I like tasting stuff. I like to hear music. I kind of like that. So if I was going to give up one, it may be smell. But what we don't realize is that smell is more than just what we think it is. It has been proven by scientific purposes that smell is the number one indicator of memories. When we smell something, it, it's what triggers memories. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. You ever walked into, I walked into an old house just a few weeks ago and smelt mothballs in the house and all of a sudden my mind went back to when I was seven years old going to my grandma's house in Cleveland, Ohio and having to sleep in her basement. It smelled like my grandma's house. It brought back memories of that basement. It triggered a memory. That we, there is an industry with billions of dollars spent every year for you to smell candles that smell like something that you like. That's right. Here we go. I walked into place one day, and boy, I smelled apple pie, and I got, man, my mouth started watering. I got so happy. Then I looked over, and it was just a, it was a stupid candle. Ain't nobody made no apple pie. 
But that, that smell, it, it, it brought back a memory. It triggered something. And, and they, that they said that that's what the number one purpose of smell is, is to bring back a memory. And that memory could be good or it could be bad. That memory could, be, could warn you, you know. That's why I don't know if you got a lot of skunks around here. We sure do in the mountains of North Carolina. We got a lot of skunks, and they ain't all four-legged either. Mm. Some of y'all get that one day. Hallelujah. But, you know, you smell something, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. And so it's a warning, but then there's other smells that, uh, you know, it's good. I, I even recall every once in a while I'll, I'll pass uh, one of those dear ladies of God and, at a conference, and, and they're, they're wearing the same perfume that Sister Gilmore used to wear, my pastor's wife. And, man, it would just trigger memories and bring me to tears when I'd smell and I'd think about, Sister Gilmore, and growing up in that church, and she sat always on the left-hand side of the church and always sat in the same spot, never was loud, but you'd always hear her praying every service. And as soon as I smelled that perfume, even though it had been years, I could almost hear her voice still praying in the background. So what's that smell? The scripture I read to you today, and it says, if we are the salt of the earth. We, we are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its Savor. See, we read the word savor, and so many times we automatically translate that to flavor. And it is savor and flavor do coincide, and, but the very essence of savor is not the taste on the tongue. The very essence of something that you savor, when you savor it, it's before you bite into it. It's before you really taste of it. It's the smell of it. And then it's the taste of it. It's the combination of that which you have smelled and then that which you have tasted. And the Bible says if we have lost our savor, first, if we have lost our smell, then we're going to lose our taste. But it starts with how we smell. I never heard nobody preach about our smell, but I'm going to preach on a little bit tonight. And if I was, I don't subtitle much, but this, this I, I, is a message I've preached in many places, and it's this, the secrets I've learned from ketchup. That's what it is. Does anybody like ketchup? Anybody like ketchup? If you like ketchup. Does anybody not like ketchup? We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. No. <laughs> we will convert you for tonight's over. No, I'm just joking. But I like ketchup, man. I, I found out later on that my parents, when we were so, so poor. My dad said they were so poor that they couldn't afford milk and they couldn't afford formula. And all they had was some uh, half bottle of ketchup. And they would put the ketchup in some warm water and shake it up, put it in a bottle and give it to me. And so, you know, that's where this, this was, you know, you, you, you want to get this physique, then get you some ketchup. Hallelujah. <laughs> And uh, so, you know, I like ketchup, but there's some things I learned about ketchup. It goes with what I want to talk about tonight and coincides with what I talked about last night. Ultimately, I want to be a soul winner. I said, I want to be a soul winner. I want to see God's kingdom be brought forth. I want to see people's lives changed. And, and I want to say this before I go any further. Soul winning is it, something that's delicate, but souls are never your trophy. Come on. I said, souls are never our trophy. 
I get sick when I go places and all oh, you got somebody, they finally start doing things for God and all they want to do is prance around like a peacock and tell how many people they won to God. Come on. And how many, and I, my stories I share, it's just never what my intentions are because tro- the, the trophies of souls are not mine, they're God's. I may just be reaping what somebody else planted. I may just be reaping what somebody else watered. But God got the increase and God gets the glory. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. I've seen these so-called soul winners coming through, preaching revivals and stuff. And all they want to talk about how many people they won to God and how many got the Holy Ghost when they were there. I'm going to tell you something. You can't give nobody the Holy Ghost. And ultimately, you can't save nobody. All you can do is be a flavor. All you can do is be a saver. All you can do is make sure you're doing the right stuff uh, so that you can impact their lives. Like I said last night, you may never do what I did, and you're going to find God's going to lead you down some kind of path. And I had a, like I said, a home missionary called me today, and he was just, he kept grilling me. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? And I finally said, let me tell you something, bud. I'm not going to tell you. Why? I said, because you're going to try to do it, and you're going to fail, and you're going to blame me. Because what I did ain't may not work where you're at. But I know one thing, if you'll just be the right flavor, if you'll just make sure you got the right spirit, it'll all work out. Somebody say amen. Amen. So catch up, I learned this, it adds flavor. Somebody say amen. It adds flavor. No matter where you're at, if you, if you don't like something, or if you do like something, you want to make it better, you get some ketchup. It adds flavor. I wonder what kind of flavor do you add? Ooh, got quiet. What kind of flavor? When you, when you go to work, what kind of flavor are you? When, when people see you and they get around you, are they excited to see you come or are they excited to see you go? I, I, I've got people in my church, I thank God for caller ID. I'm going to get in trouble. Y'all recording this, ain't you? Do not send this to North Carolina. But there's people that call my phone. I'm not going to name names. I looked down at it. I said, no, 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 nay, nay. I told one one time, I said, you're like hot sauce. He said, what you mean? I said, little, good, too much, make me sick. I said, I can't hardly handle you. You know, some people call me and, pastor, pastor, my diverse ticket light is just flared up. I don't even know what diverse ticket lettuce was. I found out it's because you eat something with seeds. I'm like, you dummy, quit eating stuff with seeds. And your diverse ticket lettuce wouldn't flare up. He called me on Wednesday. I think I'm going to be sick Sunday. I'm thinking, I think I'm sick right now. Huh? I mean, I could feel good, Brother Johnson. I could feel like jump running through a troop, jump over a wall, and that guy call, and all of a sudden, you know, my back kind of hurts. You got people like that in your life? Come on. I mean, you got a good day and the phone rings. You see their number, you're like, oh, no, no devil, not today. <laughs> and see, I don't know how it is around here, but I'm blessed with them heels. If I do take the call, because I'm trying to be a good pastor, I am really trying hard. I want to love everybody. And I do love everybody. I just don't like them all. <laughs> you know? And, you know, I just, I'm just being plain with you tonight, okay? And uh, so there's some, they'll call, and then they get on the phone, and they, you can't get a word in edgewise, but my God, I know which road to drive down to drop a signal. <sighs> I'm going down Hayeswater tonight. 
They next day said, Pastor, I lost you. I know, you know these mountains, my friend. You know these mountains. <laughs> he said, I, I don't like this, Brother Chapman. I don't like him. I can't believe he talked like that. Come on, don't act like you're so spiritual that your bath water parts every time you take a bath. Let's just be real tonight. Come on. You know you get frustrated with people, but the question we got to ask ourselves is what kind of flavor are we? See, somebody said, I, I know people like that at bath water parts because that's why they stink. Mm. See, some of y'all don't get that. I'll get that. It'll be like next week. They'll be at work and something serious, and that joke will hit them. And they'll start laughing. Hallelujah. It adds flavor. I, uh, several years ago, and I, again, I'm just an old Appalachian boy. I just grew up in the hills. And, uh, and you know, but I'm very fortunate. I married a very, very smart woman. And I married up. And she speaks all kinds of languages. And it's open doors for me to be invited to go places. Not because of me, but because of her. Then they asked me to preach. I'm like, man, they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, they invited me to Italy a few years ago, first time, and wanted me to preach National Youth Conference. And, and uh, I got off the plane, and I was wearing buck teeth. <laughs> My wife's so mad at me. <laughs> I, the superintendent came up. I said, praise the Lord. I, I'm, I just can't believe you're invited an old mountain man to come up here and preach youth conference. <laughs> Boy, I was getting pinched. She was pinching me. And you should have seen his face, boy. He was, he was ready to give me a ticket back home. <laughs> I couldn't hold a straight face. I spit those teeth out, and he laughed. I laughed. But, you know, I'm just going to be myself. You know why I'm going to be myself? Because my daddy told me a long time ago, be yourself everywhere you go. That way you ain't got to try to remember who you was last time you was there. Come on. I ain't got that good a memory. You know, if I tried to be somebody else and he invited me back, I might have forgot who I was when I came here. <laughs> uh, hallelujah. See, this is better than the LSU game. You didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Somebody's like, I, I, I ain't convinced yet, but he's just, I'll give him a few more minutes, but he better hurry up. I want to get there before halftime. <laughs> you know, what kind of flavor you got? And you gotta, you gotta let God use you. You're not me, and I'm not you. But you got a flavor. You got a smell. You got something that God gives you that's gonna reach people that I could never reach, that Pastor Johnson couldn't reach. But there's something you got that can impact people. It can add flavor to their life. I got done preaching at youth conference, and Brother Archdiakono said, "Well, Brother Chapman, it's been a tough week. It's been a long week." He said, "We won't take you out to eat." And I, I didn't want any more Italian food. It was awful. I'm just telling you. You know, I like, I like Carrabba's, and I like Olive Garden, and I like Mama's spaghetti. But the stuff they made didn't taste the same. They forgot to put the sauce on those noodles. You know, you order spaghetti, and they brought you spaghetti noodles and no sauce. I said, where's the sauce? I said, you got to order that separate. I said, what kind of, I thought y'all were Italians. You know, <laughs> my wife's pinching me. I got bruises still from 2008. So uh, he said, I want to take you to the restaurant. What you want? I said, I want a steak, and I want potatoes because I'm a meat and taters kind of guy. You just make me some meat and taters and put some bread with it, and we got dinner. And he said, I got a place I'm going to take you. It's a mafia-run restaurant. <laughs> Brother Johnson, I was so excited. I couldn't believe it. This is what I was waiting for. Man, church is over. I didn't preach for 15 minutes. No, I'm joking. 
<laughs> no, I didn't. And uh, I, church got over, and they they put me in that van, and I was lost before we left. But we we went around. We was way away from the main roads. We went pulled up at this big house, no signs. He said, "This is it." We get out. All of us walk in, about twenty of us, and we walk in, dimly lit. There were there were smoking cigars and big old guys and big old women breaking beans. Man, just what is it's like the Godfather or something? I don't know. Right? You know, and I'm just like, man. We walk by the meat room. They're in there cutting the meat, talking loud and yelling at each other. They sit us down, and it was one of those five-course meals. I had like 27 forks. No, I'm joking. I think it was five. But, I mean, really. I mean, we, we Americans are smarter than the rest of the world. We only need one fork. When I get done eating my salad, I will lick it off. I don't need, I don't need another fork for my salad. You know, from you know. So, anyways, you know, they, I ordered a food, and I said, "I just." He said, "What do you want?" I said, "I want the biggest steak you got." He said, "We got you covered, brother Chapman. We're going to hook you up tonight." Boy, I was so excited. Well, you know what? They bring out the appetizer, they bring out the antipasta, the pasta, and they keep coming out. And my steak ain't come out yet. It was like it was like number four course or something. I'm just like, when is this meat coming out? I've already had all this other stuff. I don't want it. I want steak. I was getting hangry. You know, and finally, them doors open. Here come my steak. It was the biggest T-bone I had ever seen. It was ever bit of two and a half inches thick. Steaming. I could almost hear angels singing. <laughs> They're walking out with my steak, and they bring it out there, set it in front of me. I'm looking down. I got four forks left. I'm like, any, many, money, mo, mo, you win. Let's go. And, uh, I, I stabbed that thing, cut me a piece of it, I put it in my mouth, and I went to chewing. And I went to chewing. And as a good Korean lady said once, something wrong. <laughs> something Betty Betty Wong here. Didn't taste right, bro, Johnson. And I got, you know, I got, a, I got a mountain mind. My mind has an imagination. I didn't know what I was eating or who. This is a mafia restaurant. This didn't taste like cow. And so I remember I, I said, I'm going to excuse myself. And I, and I walked back there, and I was going to go by that meat room. I was going to do some investigating. My hardy boy was coming out in me. You know, I was going to find out what I was eating, hallelujah, or who. And so I, I went by and I peeked in there and I looked in that meat room. And that there hanging upside down was the tallest cow I ever saw in my life. Long leg cow. I came back in there and I sat down. Look at Brother Archdiacono. I said, Reverend, what kind of cows y'all got in Italy? He's like NBA cows in there. That's like a Shaquille O'Neal cow or something. That's a big old cow. He said, cow. I like looked at my wife. How do you say cow in Italian? Help me out here. He said, "No, I understand what you said. They don't serve cow here. They serve horse." <laughs> I lie you not. The next words of mine. How do you say ketchup in Italian? Buddy, and they came out with some Heinz ketchup. I was like, "Hallelujah!" I covered that whole steak in Heinz ketchup and ate the whole thing. Didn't want to offend nobody. I ate Mr. Ed, though. 
It was sad. But it added flavor. It, it made something that was bad taste better. See, you know what? When we show up, we ought to make every bad situation better. When the church shows up, it ought to, they ought to get excited that, I'm here, that you're here. Amen. When you show up to a family reunion, it ought to be like, thank God they're finally here. Come on. When you come to work, they ought to be excited that you showed up to work. When you go to school, they ought to be excited to see you at school. We got to check our flavor because if we lose our flavor, if we lose, we got the wrong smell, there's something wrong with us. Somebody say amen. Ketchup is in every house. If it, I mean, let me pause here. It does, who doesn't have ketchup at home right now? We'll take up an offering. Oh, we're good. Everybody got ketchup at home. See? See, I know I was preaching on the right track. And I have found ketchup to be in every country. I was in the middle of Kenya, and I don't know what they cooked me. It looked like fish, but I wasn't sure. I said, y'all got ketchup? I said, we do. I said, well, bring it on. <laughs> It'll make this stuff taste better, or at least disguise it. So I just think it's ketchup-flavored meat. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why, why did I bring it up? It's our job to make sure what we get and what we have gets into every home. We want every home to experience Pentecost. We want every country to experience. That's why we have missions offerings. That's why your pastor does these missions offerings. They, they do those together magazines and give that mission offering. Why? We're trying to make sure this Holy Ghost experience happens to everybody, everywhere. Somebody say amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Y'all need to hurry up so I can go eat. <laughs> Talking about food gets me hungry. But we want to get it. So don't get mad about missions and don't get mad about knocking doors. That's what we're doing. We're trying to get everybody to have this. And people are hungry. I'm so sick of hearing people say, nobody wants this anymore. That's, that's a lie from the devil. There's people in this city waiting and looking for what you have right here. They would love to feel what you feel when that music plays. They would love to feel this. All you got to do is ask them. You'll be surprised if you just ask them. You'll be surprised. Amen, amen, amen. And you know what? They may not come, but God rewards your efforts. I've always seen it. Your efforts are not in vain in God. They may not come. I've knocked doors on this side of town, not nobody come. And the people from the side of town we never been on start coming to church. Because God will, God will bless your efforts. Ketchup makes people passionate. That's right. Look at me. Oh, you, you know, you, I've seen passionate people over ketchup. I went to McDonald's a few weeks ago, and there's this old lady. She had to be 95 years old. And she was over, and I'm like, ma'am, that pump is empty. But she's a pumping. And about every fourth pump, it went <laughs> She had ketchup on her Big Mac, her fries, her chocolate milkshake, her cookies. Had there was ketchup everywhere. But she wasn't stopping until she got what she wanted. It makes me passionate. It's right. I mean, you think about it. What's McDonald's French fries without ketchup? Uh-huh. So I was like, well, I like them. Well, that's because you need to pray through. It makes people passionate. We ought to make people passionate. When we talk about church, it ought to be passionate. It ought to be something, hey, they're excited. Man, what's going on with that church? What's happening over there? It ought to be, man, what's going on in first church? I'll tell you what's going on. I can't explain it, but it's awesome. You know, I used to go to school on Monday mornings, and I didn't have a voice. And all my friends they, that were at school, they didn't have a voice because they were partying. They said, what kind of party you went to? I said, man, I went to a Holy Ghost party. I shouted my voice right out at church. They looked at me like I was crazy. But they smelled something. You with me? Amen. Amen. Another thing about ketchup, and I'm hurrying along here. I've learned this. Ketchup comes in different shapes, sizes, and colors. I usually, I've, I've preached this in different places in my home church. I've got ketchup in five-pound in five cans. 
I got ketchup in little tiny bottles. You get ketchup in little packets. It comes in all different shapes and sizes. It don't matter what shape or size it is. It don't, you may say, well, I'm just, I'm just new with this. Well, the same Holy Ghost I got is the same Holy Ghost you can have. Amen. God has no respect to persons. Amen. You're, I'm no different than you, and you're no different than me. We, we all, we're all in the same boat together. Come on, somebody. Amen, amen, amen. Someone gave me a ketchup can that weighed five pounds, Brother Johnson. Then another guy in my church owns a restaurant. He brought me a demo one, and it was the same can, except it was empty. But it was still sealed like it had been full. And I had had that full one for so long, I had tossed it to the young men, and they'd get that thing. Well, they're careful. You know, it's hard to catch a five-pound can. One day I brought the empty one in with me. I didn't tell nobody. And that brother sitting on the front row, he think, you know, he's, he's all, you know, big shot. And while I was preaching, I turned and I chucked that can at him. He jumped up and he went to grab it and he fell on the floor juggling that thing. And uh, <laughs> he and it just, I see, you know what that represents? It represents a lot of so called apostolics. They got the outside all looking right, but the inside's empty, dead, and come on. I don't want to just get the outside fixed. I want to have the inside right. I want to have a right attitude. I want to have a right spirit. I want to treat people right. I want to talk right. Come on. I want to be filled from the, from the top of my head to the soul of my feet. Somebody shout hallelujah. Amen. And then in the, in the late 80s, uh, Heinz came out with green ketchup. How many have seen green ketchup before? It came out, they spent millions of dollars on this promotion in the late 80s, early 90s, and they, they, they before they ever put it on the market, they had blind tested it. They had blind tested, I think it's over a thousand people, blindfolded. Had green ketchup, purple ketchup, and red ketchup. And they dipped in something in it. I'm going to say it's french fries. I don't know. And you can put anything in ketchup. It works. And uh, they dipped something in that ketchup, and they'd eat it. And 100% could not taste the difference. 100%. Not even one. They all said it's the same. Blind tested. But when it hit the market in the early 90s, it was a complete flop. I know. I bought some. I bought some green ketchup, put it on my scrambled eggs one morning, and my near couldn't eat them. Come on. There's something wrong with that stuff. It didn't taste right. It didn't look right. And they, they, was, they lost millions of dollars, and no company in their right minds goes out to do, a, do, do something to lose money on. So they, they, they hired this company to come in and find out what happened. Why did this flop? Why does ketchup have to be red? Why can't it be green? Or why can't it be purple? Now, they'll still do green ketchup around St. Patrick's Day, and they'll do purple ketchup for novelty things, but they don't do it like they were doing it then. And he, they did this study, and they, came up with the, they finally came up with the reason why, and it was called preconceived ideas. Because this is the way it's always been, therefore that's the way it is, and that's what's, we're, we're programmed that way. And it hit me. I'm so sick of black churches and white churches and Hispanic churches. Come on, somebody. I, I was so glad to walk in here and see some color. Come on. Come on, let me tell you something. God has no respect to persons. There's only one thing called a church, and that's called the church. We don't need a black church and a white church. We just need a church. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Racism has no place in the house of God. I don't care if it's the way they used to do it. Preconceived ideas, they need to go out the door. Oh, amen. Amen. I, I, I preach this at home, and it's, it's not easy. 
We, we, we're one of the most racist counties in America, I think. Man, it's so bad. I'm so sick of it. I get so mad. I get so mad. And I get, I finally pray some black families through the Holy Ghost. They come to church, and the AMEs go after them like they mafia or something. I'm not joking. We have AMEs in our town, and if you ever leave that church, it's like you died. You have disowned the family. It don't matter they ain't had Holy Ghost with God in 80 years. But it's just the way we've done things. I'm so sick of the way we've done things. If it ain't God's way, I don't want it. I want Holy Ghost way. I want apostolic way. Amen. 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 And God has no respect of persons. Red, yellow, black, and white. They're precious in God's sight. Amen. I pastor Spanish people. I pastor Chinese people. I've got Hmong and Laotian people in my church. And I've got Guatemalans and I've got uh, ones that speak Aztec in my church. And I barely speak English. But you know what? I told the Lord I'm not going to look at anybody on the outside and judge them because you made them that way. I'm going to love them that way. I'm going to love them. That's why, hey, that's the church. And I tell you what, if we break down those walls, we can have great revival across this country. Somebody shout glory. Amen. What's this got to do with that smell? Stay with me. Amen. I'm almost done. Ketchup has to go through a process to be made. I learned this the hard way. I came home one day after high school. I don't know what it is about school. I don't know. I got teenage kids now. And I, I, I relate to them. I haven't forgot. It's like we eat at school all day. As soon as I get off that bus, it's like I was starved to death. Does I got any kids that understand what I'm talking about? I mean, as soon as I got home from school, it's like, why am I so hungry? I know I ate at school, but like we're going through the house, we're foraging. Me and my brother, we're foraging. We're eating everything. We're like a bunch of mules. You know? <laughs> like, what you doing? You eat nothing? I ate at school today. Why are you so hungry? I don't know why I'm so hungry. That's just the way it was. I don't, maybe I didn't. Maybe it didn't bother you like it bothered me. But as soon as I got home from school, I was hungry every day. I got, I got two teenage boys, and it's like, my God, it's like another car payment to feed those kids. My God, you know, I'm gonna put them on an IV to keep them full. I came home one day and I cooked me some French fries. Boy, they came out of the oven, they were brown and crispy. They looked good. Put some salt on them, a little bit of pepper, and I opened the refrigerator. We were out of ketchup. That's almost as bad as making a bowl of cereal. Getting so built up, you're gonna eat a bowl of cereal. And open up. There's no milk. I did that the other day. I said, there's no milk in here. My wife yelled, there's almond milk. That ain't milk. I ain't seen nobody with milk and almond. I want the real stuff. I was pitching a fit like a three-year-old. But anyways, my mom had some tomatoes sitting there, and I thought, ketchup, tomatoes. Tomatoes, ketchup. So I cut the tomato up and I squeeze it over my french fries. I ruined the whole plate of fries. I learned ketchup's got to go through a process to be made. Here's the thing I want you to understand. I know I preached hard last night about soul winning and going out and doing something for God. But don't get discouraged in the process. This stuff doesn't happen overnight. 
You just can't, you're just not going to walk out there and bam, all this stuff. And I know I've said stories, but there's a lot of things that added up before those stories ever took place. There's a lot of things that took place. There's a process that we go through. And I see young men that get on fire for God, and all of a sudden they want to be a preacher. And that's great. I'm glad you got that calling. But you got to respect the process. you got to trust your pastor in the process. There's a process that you got to go through. And if you don't respect the process and you try to jump the gun, you're going to destroy what, hey, you're going to be like squeezing tomatoes over french fries. Ain't nobody going to understand a word you said. <laughs> I mean, half people don't understand what I say anyways. My God. Trust the process. Somebody say amen. The old song says, let God unfold the rose. Amen. And lastly, on a point here, and I'm going to get ready to wrap this message up. I know it's a little different tonight, but I feel we're in the will of the Lord. As much as I like ketchup, I mean, I do like ketchup. I mean, I got ketchup in my office right now. In my truck somewhere, some ketchup. If I didn't eat it on the way down here, that was a long drive. I ain't doing that again. We shall fly. But, uh, <laughs> see, y'all are going to get me all losing my train of thought now. Oh, I know what it was. You see, ketchup, as much as I like it, I have never gone to a restaurant. And the waitress or waiter come by and look at me and say, what you want? I think I want a big, big old bowl of ketchup. No. No. As much as I like ketchup, I have never ordered ketchup. Ketchup is never the main course. See, the problem in so many churches and so many ministries is they think it's all about them. And that's where they lose their savor. Because it's never about us. We're only there to bring, bring some kind of flavor to the main course. We're only there to help people to taste it. Come on, let me just get you to church so you can get a little talk with Jesus. And so you can really see what it's all about. It's not about me. It's not about them singing my favorite song. It's not about them preaching my favorite sermon. It's about me being used of God. Never the main course. Never the main course. Somebody say amen. Amen. And uh, I have to tell you, and I'm, I'm getting ready to close. Musician, get ready to come. And uh, my grandpa said, he said, you're getting out early for good behavior. <laughs> now, I'm not done yet. Don't, I only did that to give you hope. My pastor, he had like 27 doors on his messages. That's right. He says, I'm about to close. I'm like, that's number four. <laughs> Brother Gilmore said, there's the perfect message is 12 minutes long. That's what he told me. He said, but you're probably going to preach about four or five of those every time you get up. <laughs> but I went back to Italy a few years later. I'll never forget it. I, uh, I went back, and we were in northern Italy, and I was worried. I didn't want to eat a horse. I done tried it. I didn't like it. And I went back and went to this fancy restaurant up there, and they said, they have steak here. And I'm thinking, yeah, I bet they do. My wife said, do you want me to help you? I said, no, I got this. She, said, she looked at me like, oh, dear God, what's he going to do? She starts praying. Waiter comes by in his tuxedo, and I point at the picture of the steak. I'm glad they had pictures. I love menus with pictures. Pictures, people. 
pointed that stake, looked at him. I said, <laughs> and I pointed out again. I said, mm. he looked at me and straightened his little tux and he looked down at me and he goes, mm. I said, I told my wife, I said, you didn't know I could speak Italian, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, you can speak to anybody. Everybody knows animal tongue. Come on, Holy Ghost. <laughs> In 19... Late 1990s, I uh, went to North Carolina Youth Camp, and I met this wonderful young lady. Man, I liked her. Wasn't sure I loved her yet, but I sure liked her. And her pastor invited me to come preach a youth revival. And I was just an old mountain boy. I drove, I drove a 1977 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme four-barrel carburetor shifter up here. But I tell you right now, it was primer gray because I ran out of money before I could paint it. <laughs> one of those projects I started before I counted the cost. But it was mine. That thing was like 27 feet long. And it was a two-door. But it was all right. And uh, I remember they invited me to come preach, and I got my car ready, and I got I think I got four miles to the gallon in that thing. At least, at least gas was less than a dollar back in. You know, and I opened that door, and I got in the car. Right before I left, there's a lady in my church. She's still in the church today. She came running out there and said, Brother Billy, I said, yes, this is Christine. She said, I hear you're going to go see this girl. I said, that is my intentions. She said, well, I want to give you a gift. All right, I like gifts. I opened the gift up. She said, opened up. Opened up, and it was a bottle of cologne. I'm like, what are you trying to say? She said, no, no, no. She said, that there's Tommy cologne. That was $50. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of cheeseburgers. I mean, I was 18 years old. I went to, I went to Dollar General, and I got Brute or Old Spice, whichever one was on sale. Two for a dollar. I sure enough wasn't paying $50 for a bottle of cologne. I sure enough ain't doing that now, and I'm 40. My wife had to do that. She said, what kind of cologne you like? I said, whichever one you like, baby. It don't matter what I like. And, uh, but I, I put that Tommy on. Dear Lord, you could have smelt me clear to Baton Rouge. <laughs> I'm driving down I-40 with my window down. <laughs> I like, I hope it's worth it. God, oh my. I thought, you know. I put it on like I did brew. I just poured it on, you know, <laughs> like a quarter of the bottle. <sighs> What's that smell? I got to her house. Her pastor was there, and that's good stuff right there. If a young man, I told young men in my church, they want to talk to my daughter, then they got to be willing to come talk to me. And I told the young men in my church, if they want to date a girl in my church, they didn't invite me to their first meal with their parents. And if they can't invite their pastor and their daddy and their mama, they ain't got no business talking to a girl in my church. 
Come on. Well, that's antiquated. I don't give, I don't care what you think. Those are my babies. And that's the way I treated her. And I her pastor was there and they're all in the house. And I go knock on the door and she comes to the door and she walked, boy, she was pretty. She's still pretty. I sent her a text last night. I said, I had a picture of this guy with a dump truck full of pennies, dumping it out. I said, if I got a penny for every time I thought you were beautiful, this is what it would look like. Send it to her. I love her. And anyway, seating under that door, and she looked at me, and she went, I don't like it. And she walked back in and left me standing there. Boy, I felt like a dummy. Her sister walks out there. Erica. Erica, she, she thought it said the whole gossip to the whole world. She ain't never been short of words. She looked at me and she went, smells like Johnny. I'm like, no, it's Tommy. She goes, no, you dummy. It smells like her ex-boyfriend. It took me a minute. My Appalachian mind goes like my speech. It's a little slow. Then the light bulb went off. And she proceeds to tell me she loved him. She would have married him. She would have gave her life to him. But he broke her heart. He rejected her. He hurt her. I said, I'll be back. (laughs) You carnal people, what are you thinking? (laughs) And I, I went down to McDonald's, locked that bathroom door, took me a homeless shower. I told my wife when I was preaching tonight, she said, oh, dear God, I'm praying. <clears throat> oh, they'll either love you or they'll never have you back. That's all right. I don't really like traveling that much. And I, I cleaned myself up. On the way there, I saw a Dollar General. I went to Dollar General and Old Spice was on sale. Thank God I finally smelt like a man. Didn't smell like a sissy boy no more. Some of these boys' perfume, it smells like a bunch of sissies walking around. I want to smell like a man. Boy, I smelled. Put that stuff on. I felt a little taller. Felt my chest get a little bigger. You know? I went back to the house, and they said, well, where'd you go? It's all right. I didn't say nothing. I didn't make a scene. She, she smiled, and I went and sat down. We had dinner, and we fellowshiped, and we talked, and had a good time. I preached a revival that week, and I left. And on the way home, and I'm almost done. Just stay with me for a minute. On the way home, I was halfway home, about a four-hour drive back to my house. On the way home, the Lord spoke to me. Do you love me that much? Excuse me, Lord? It had to be God because I wouldn't listen to radio because that car didn't have one. Again, in my spirit, he said, do you love me that much? He said, you don't even know her yet. But you already love her enough not to want to smell like the one that rejected her. Do you love me that much? And there, around Burlington, it hit me. And at 18 years old, I got a revelation of holiness. 
I pulled off of that little truck stop. And I cried. And everything my pastor would preach, it all began to make so much sense. The things that he said, don't wear this. The things the prophet said not to do. The things the apostle said not to do. Everything was pulling the church farther away from Satan. He was full of pride, Lucifer. He was decked out in all manner of jewels, and he, he was covered in all manner of gold and silver and pearls and all these things. And everything. it all hit me, hit me, hit me, hit me. That's why pastor told me not to do that. That's why pastor said you can't be filled with pride. That's why pastor don't get caught up in vanity. Because why? Because when you do that and you come to church and you begin to worship, I'm, I said at the beginning of this message, the Bible speaks about smell. And almost every time when it speaks about smell, it's God testing the praise of his people. He steps out on the balcony of heaven. And when the sacrifices are given, it's either a sweet smell to his nostrils or a stench. I wonder today, what does your praise smell like? I'm not talking about just when you come to church. I'm talking about when you go to your job. I'm talking about when you go to school. I'm talking about when you're at your house and the kids are driving you crazy. I can say that I got seven of them. Seven kids, three dogs, a stupid cat that won't die. Two horses and I don't know how many fish. It's like those stupid fish. I had fish when I was a kid. I don't know why I had fish for. They never did anything. I'm like, come here, fishy, fishy. My dad walked in my room one time. He said, son, you need to put more water in that tank. I said, daddy ain't drank what I gave him last time. Some of y'all don't get that. But think about that. Why don't we stand? You know what? You want to ruin a good Christian song? Let somebody send you the video of it. I like the praise I felt here when I walked here. I felt praise of holy people who were cognitive of not only what it sounded like, but more importantly, how did it smell like? How's that? How do you know that? Because I could see by the way they dressed and by the way they carried themselves that when they were up here, it wasn't about them. It wasn't about drawing attention to them. It was about, I want to draw attention to God. I'm not the main course. This is not about me. Oh, come on. Come on. I know there's a world that doesn't want to go to a church that tells them you don't need to wear that and you don't need to listen to that and you don't need to dress that way. But I want a pastor in my life that makes sure I don't smell like the one that rejected God. God would have gave Lucifer everything. Lucifer had it all, pastor. He had it all. But his pride, he rejected God. He was cast out of heaven. And ever since then, there's been a battle between God's people and Lucifer, Satan. He's doing his best to draw us to his side, to look like him. That way when we come together and worship him, I, I get so sickened when I go to some so-called Pentecostal churches, even some that's supposed to be in our movement, and I go in there, and it's all nothing but a bunch of show. Lights and machines and blah, blah, blah. And, and it's good talent. I'm not against talent. I love talent. But there's something different. I just give me anointing. Give me holy people. Give me people who are separated. Give me a church that says, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. Holiness is what I long for. On the side of I-40 in 1998. I cried that before they ever wrote that song, Holiness. That's what I long for. I want to 
What's that smell? I want when God comes down in my prayer room that my smell doesn't bring a stench to his nostrils, but it makes him, makes him happy. That's my child. I know they fought against him. I know, I know they talked about him, but he ain't reviling back. He's not fighting back. He's gave it to me. That's a good smell. I know, I know he wants to quit coming to church because, because his because his loved ones stopped coming mom and dad don't come a young man in my church and I'm closing I know I I just feel I feel like God's trying to reach somebody I want to speak to some young people right now is that alright I'm I'm, I'm closing I think that's number 7 I don't know Young man in church, I, he called me one day when I was a youth pastor, said, hey, I want to go to your church. And I said, sure, I'll pick you up. Drove way out in the country, picked him up at church. He was always, he was always waiting on the side of the road. Chris would get in the car. He was very uh, short and just, just a, a small-built guy and, and real softly spoken. And the, one of the first services he came, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He got baptized in Jesus' name. And, man, he loved it. He was like a sponge. Every class, he was just, he couldn't teach him enough. He was taking notes, and he was listening. He was absorbing it. Finally, about two or three months after he got in church, we had a youth rally one Friday night. And it was about an hour and a half drive, two-hour drive away. I said, Chris, you want to go to that youth rally? And I noticed that there was a little trepidation in his response. He said, yes, I want to go. All right, I'll pick you up. I picked him up and went to that youth rally. Man, we had a great, great time. And we got back late that night. I don't know, it's probably close to 12, 1 o'clock in the morning when I finally got back in the country road and I pulled up in that driveway. And he said, preacher, I want to thank you. Thank you for picking up church. I really appreciate it. Chris, that's good, man. I love you, man. He gets out of the car. Walks on, and something inside of me said, turn the car off. Roll the window down. So I put it in reverse like I was going to leave, and he went in the door, and I, I put it back in park and turned the car off and went down. And I heard the God-awful sound, blood-curdling scream, pounding. The door was still open in the house. So I got out, and I ran to the door, and I burst it open, and there was his dad with the baseball bat. Screaming, I told you, every time you come home from that church, this is what you get. And was beating him in the legs. Beating him in the legs. I always wondered why he never wanted to play basketball with us or nothing. He always kind of limped. And I thought it was just a natural limp. No, 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 no. And I grabbed his dad. I said, get off him. What are you doing? He looked at me and he spit curses at me. I picked Chris off the floor. I took him back to the car. Get in the car. We pulled out of there. I said, what's going on? He dropped his face. It's okay. I said, it's not okay. What's going on? He said, it's okay. Now, mind you, every service he was on the front row. Every service he was praying. Every service he was worshiping. He got him an old suit he'd wear at the church. He wanted to be an usher. He never, ever showed any sign of complaint. He never, ever. He finally told me, he said, every service since I've been coming to church these last three months, my dad beats me when I walk in the door. And says, you can sneak out back to that road, and I know you will, but you can rest assured when you walk back to this door, this baseball bat and me will be waiting for you, and I'll beat you for going to that apostolic church. 
I took him to my parents' house and they let him move in. And Chris Arney lived for God and has lived for God for the last 20 years. His parents never came to church. He loved them. He never spoke ill of them. He never retaliated. As a matter of fact, he went back many times and take them food and they'd cuss him out. And I love you, Mom. I love you, Dad. Even to their deathbed, they were hateful and mean to him. But he never got a bad spirit. He's in church now with three little kids, married, loving the Lord, living for God. And I look at him, he can't sing a tune if it save his life. Half his teeth are missing him. He's just country as cornbread. I mean, you, if, he just just country. But I believe every time he lifts those hands, God steps out on heaven. That smells so good. I don't know why some have to sacrifice more than others, but I come to tell you, you'll never give up more than God will give back to you ten times more. You've got to trust that he's going to give back. He's going to give back. He's going to give back. Come on, why don't we lift our hands right now to the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I would to God that we would observe and look in our hearts. What does my praise smell like? I want to have the right. I want to have the right savor. I want to have the right spirit. If I'm going to be effective, I've got to have the right attitude. Come on, I'm going to open this altar to you today. Would you come? Would you come and let God search your heart? Would you come and let God search your spirit? Come on, young person. Come on, you can live for God. Come on, come on. Somewhere somebody else is struggling. You can make it. Come on, mama. Come on, daddy. You can do it. I know you've lost a lot. But go ahead and lift up those hands and love him. Say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord give it, but the Lord take it away. But blessed be his name. Come on, that's it. Come on, come on. I want to smell right. I want to look right. Call me to be. That's what I'll be. Yes, yes. Come on, why don't we gather? Let's find somebody to pray with. Let's lay a hand on their shoulder. Let's pray for one another. Come on, come on. I want to have the right flavor. I want to have the right smell. Come on, if I've got lost loved ones, I gotta have the right spirit. Desire. 